You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, I'm going to talk about healing. We're going to dive into this. And um, I want to talk a little bit on faith first, but I want to talk a lot about Jesus being the model of our healing. Do you agree with me? Let's just really, whatever you've been taught, whatever I've been taught, whatever, um, you know, my belief system, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, I've got to change what I think. True? I've got to change what I believe if, if it's not in line with God's Word. Even if the whole church world believes it, I'm still going to follow the Bible. Did you know that? Yeah. Because, you know, the church world in the past, institutionalized church has been wrong at times. doesn't mean they're always wrong, but at times. And so when... If I say Jesus is Jesus perfect theology, if you know the whole Bible, you can agree with what well, he is because he's our model. He's definitely our model. Very, very clear that he came to do what the Father sent him to do. Very, really clear. He said, I've come to seek and save the lost. And, and one of his job, his job description was found in Luke chapter 4. And so I just quickly read his job description about what he was called to do. Luke 4, just so we can understand it really quickly. And he reads it from Isaiah. He stands up. Everywhere he preached, he more likely read this scripture. And he says this. He found the place where it was written in Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom to captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed. So those that are oppressed, he, he came to set them free and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all of who were there in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I've come to fulfill this scripture. This is my job description. This is what he was called to do. It's to heal the sick, to open up blind eyes, to, to, to heal broken hearts, people that are oppressed, people that are in like spiritual prison, captives. He came to set them free. That's his job description. Very, very clear that the Bible says, even in, um, I've written it here somewhere, John. Where did I write it? My, my contacts are playing up. Uh, John. It's in John, near the end of John. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So as God sent him on a mission, he gives us the same commission. And so we, you know he told the 12 to go out and heal the sick. He says, cast out devils. He told the 12 that, didn't he? So he gave them the authority to cast out devils. Same scripture, job description. Go set people free. Go heal the sick. Go raise the dead. He told that to the 12. He also told that to the 70. Same thing. Gave them description. Go out. Go heal the sick. Go raise the dead. Go set captives free. Go cast out devils, right? And then when he ascended to heaven, the 500 people that saw him resurrect, he told them, go into the whole world. All authority has been given unto me. Go into the whole world. So he's basically given the commission to believers. So if you don't believe this, this is the foundation of what Jesus was called to do. We're called to do. We have to believe that. That's when I say he's the model He's the example. We all go, yeah, well, he's the example. The whole Bible is, is in line and in agreement with this. Because we know that Jesus is the head and we're the body. True? What the head has, the body has to have. 
There's 144 scriptures that say we're in Christ, in whom, in Him we have forgiveness. In Him we have redemption. In Him. So when we're in Him, we have what He has. He's the head, we're the body. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. The body of Christ, being the, the church, is seated at the right hand of the Father also, above all principalities and powers and might. That means above disease, above sickness, above any demons. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places right now to model what He models. He was the perfect model. That's why we can say he's perfect theology. True? Like he's perfect. He, he, he fulfilled the Father's will in every area. It's unbelievable when you look at the As a man, because yes, he was fully God, but we know in Philippians, he emptied himself of the privilege of being God and became a man. And everything he did, he did in covenant with God as a man. If you think, and I think that, no, but Jesus did it because he was God in the flesh. That's why he cast out devils. Then, then we can't do it because he did it because he was God. He didn't do it because he was God. He did it as a man in covenant with God. He referred to himself as the son of man more often than the son of God. The word son of man means son of Adam. He always said the son of Adam, the son of man. He referred to himself that way. So he's referred to his humanity. Yes, he referred to himself as God fully, but he also referred to himself as man. So in relationship with God, that's why he prayed. If he was God, why do you have to pray? He's a man. He's demonstrating this is what it's like to be an Adam without the fall of man, without falling away from God, having the presence of God, having the glory of God. So he prays to the Father often, just relationship with God. So he's our model. He's our perfect theology. When I say perfect theology, that means if we can see it in Jesus, then it's, what's God's, it's God's will. Does that make sense? Because most people say today that, well, we don't know, is, is, is it God's will to heal? If God's all-powerful and He's almighty, the next question has to be, is it His will to heal? Because maybe He chooses not to heal. It's like saying, uh, is it God's will to forgive? Most of us will go, 100%, it's always God's will to forgive. Don't you reckon? Do you know there was a time the church didn't believe it was God's perfect will to, heal every, I mean, to forgive everybody? God chose certain people to be called. So you can't just... Choose to believe unless God chose you. That's what the church used to believe. When Charles Finney, John Wesley, or these guys, great evangelists believed, whosoever will comes to the cross, can be saved. They were heresy. John Wesley got kicked out of the church. He had no physical building, church building to preach to. He had to preach in parks because they thought, you can't just preach that anyone could be saved because they thought, no, God's sovereign will has to be involved and you have to be called by God. And then if he calls you, you can be saved. They were religious about it. But Jesus wasn't modeling that. He said many times, whosoever will, whosoever believes. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. That's whosoever means whosoever. The freedom is in our choice to choose to be saved. God doesn't go, I will, I'll forgive you, but I won't forgive you. If you truly repent and you truly put your faith in Christ, God is willing to forgive. True? 100%. We have no problem with that theology. The whole church these days don't have no problem with that theology. Most. There might be some that's still stuck in their ways. But what about healing? What about healing? Is it God's perfect will to heal all the time? If our forgiveness has been paid for at the cross, what do we believe about the cross? Did Jesus pay the price for every part of us? Spirit, soul, and body? He died for our you know, sins, so for our forgiveness of sins. 
he died even to heal our broken hearts. So he mends our broken hearts. The Bible says that's a part of the gospel, the gospel to heal the broken heart. In Isaiah, it talks about he heals us. And in Isaiah 53, he says, when he died on the cross, he bore our sicknesses. And the Bible says he carried our pain and carried our grief. And, to, and you look up that word, it literally means pain and it means disease. So he bore our diseases on the cross. In the same way he bore our sin, he actually bore our diseases, sickness. I believe he bore every single sickness, disease known to mankind. And God... In Christ, redeemed mankind completely, perfectly, spirit, soul, and body. So it's paid for at the cross. We have to believe it's paid for. So when I think about God's will, I have to believe that it's already been purchased. It's, it's, it's God's will for me to be healed. There was a leper that came to Jesus, totally leprosy and, and, and wet. And in other words, if you touched him, you'd get lepr leprosy. And he falls down in front of the crowd, runs to Jesus and cries out, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me whole. Desperation falls on the ground. If you're willing, it's the biggest question. Because we know you're powerful. We know, God, you can. But are you willing? And the, I mean, Jesus answered this question for all eternity. He said, I am willing. <laughs> and he stretched and he touched. Stretched and touched his hand. Be healed. And instantly he was healed. It wasn't a question. Hang on a sec. Did Jesus ever say, oh, hang on a sec. I was going to see if it's the Father's timing. Did you ever, any scriptures, did you ever find anywhere, I have to turn you away because the Father's telling me it's not your time right now. He wants to heal you, but it's not your time right now. Is he perfect, perfect theology or is he not? He is. Now, we might not have all the answers why someone doesn't get healed, but let's not throw it out by saying it's not God's will or it's not God's timing. God's choosing not to heal. Don't put the nature on the Father. Don't, that's, don't taint his nature to say he's choosing not to heal his children. You know, Jesus called, he called healing and deliverance. He referred to it as children's bread. You're telling my Father in heaven who loves us far more than we love our children. You're saying to him, he's choosing not to heal. When Jesus calls it children's bread. Remember the, the woman with the, issue, the, um, the demon-possessed uh, little girl. And the demon-possessed girl uh, was tormenting, the demon was tormenting the girl and she cries out to Jesus, Phoenician woman. So she wasn't a Jew. She didn't have a relationship covenant with God, but she's crying out to Jesus because she heard about Jesus, the Messiah, the healer, the one who set people free and sets captives free. So she went out of her way to find Jesus in the crowd and cries out, Jesus, please heal my daughter. And she kept bugging the disciples and bugging Jesus. And Jesus was ignoring her because she's not a Jew. He was first called to the covenant people, the ones who have a relationship with God, the ones who are in obedience to God, not to Gentiles who aren't walking with God. So he knows my calling is to, to, to the Jews, right? This lady's crying out constantly. The disciples say, shush, leave the master alone. They're trying to quieten her down. She won't stop. She's got so much faith. I've got to get Jesus' attention. Finally, she gets Jesus' attention. Jesus says, it's not right for me to take children's bread and cast it to dogs that don't have a relationship with God. In other words, Gentiles. What did Jesus refer to the deliverance, the delivering power of God to? He, he, he said children's bread. Children's bread. I never question whether I should feed my children. I never think, hmm, hang on a sec, should I just not feed them today and see how hungry they get? <laughs> I don't, I'm not evil. The Bible's, Bible says, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more your heavenly father give good gifts? I definitely go with 
<laughs> Zeke's never hungry. All my kids. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we're so loving. We're always willing to give children's bread. Imagine seeing healing like children's bread. Let's really believe Jesus' perfect theology. Imagine healing is children's bread. It belongs to us. It's actually our God-given right because it's already paid for. I don't have to earn it like I don't have to earn salvation. I don't have to be good enough because I don't have to earn forgiveness, do I? So if we think, oh, but I haven't been living right, and how could God heal me? That's showing he, you know, how can he heal me? I don't deserve it. No, you don't look to yourself to see if you deserve to be healed. Or for the person, do they, have you found that in Jesus' life yet? Oh, hang on a second, you're living a sinful lifestyle. I can't heal you. Have you found that? Have you ever, has he ever said that? He's never said that. He's never stopped and go, hang on a second. God the Father's showing me right now you've got too much sin. Repent of your sin, then I'll heal you. He demonstrated healing to everyone. In fact, many times, everyone brought the sick from all surrounding regions and towns and villages. And they flocked and they put the stretchers out in the, in the, in the streets. And as, as many of them just could touch him, and they all were healed. Didn't say some got healed, a few got healed. In those scriptures, it says all of them were healed. Now again, Jesus, when he's operating in the power of God, he's watching what the Father's doing. And I, th- I think when the flow is pure and there's faith environment, because faith is the key, right? There was times where Jesus saw at the woman at uh, the pool of Bethsaida, I mean the man at the pool of Bethsaida, uh, yeah, the pool of Bethsaida? Yes, there was many sick people around and he healed only one. Why? Does that mean he didn't want to heal the others? No, he knew that person had the faith to receive. The Father somehow showed him, you need to go to the pool of Bethsaida. There's one person who's been there for 38 years, and every time the pool water moves, he tries to get in, he can't get in on time, and he knew he could bring healing there. And if he could bring healing, like you've got to understand, Jesus flowed with the anointing. He had to see what the Father was doing. It's like in Nazareth. Please hear me out. He's a man. He's walking in absolute obedience to God in relationship with God. And in Nazareth, the Bible says, because they were offended at him, they actually said, who's this? We know your brothers. You're the son of the carpenter. We know your brothers. And they named their brothers. We know your sisters. In other words, you grew up with us. How, you know, they got offended. That Go do the miracles you did in Capernaum. What we heard you do over there, do it here in front of us. And Jesus says, I know what you're thinking. Says you're saying, doctor, heal yourself. In other words, bring healing to your own hometown. But the Bible says very clearly they were offended at him. And then the Bible says he could not do many mighty miracles there because of why? One, they were offended, and the other, the unbelief. The unbelief limited it. He still healed a few sick folk. He still prayed for those that would receive, and he could see they had the faith to receive. He prayed for them, and he prayed, and they got healed. But he didn't pray for others. Because of the lack of faith and unbelief. So you could see what the Father's doing. Can you make, does that make sense? Yep. That's the way we flow. We have to flow the same way. Faith and God, the anointing with God. It's not, I've, I've got to see where God is at. I've got to see where faith is at. I've got to see where people are, re, are ready to receive the healing. Because God wants to heal. I just want to show you something about faith. Because we need to know we've got authority. Again, You've got to remember the whole Bible, the whole Word of God. The Bible's very, very clear. God made us in His image and in His likeness. True? Yeah. So when God made Adam from the dust of the earth and He breathed into him the breath of life, Adam became a living being. The breath of God, the very Spirit of God went into Adam and he's got the Spirit of God, the nature of God, the faith of God, the love of God, the joy of God. No depression, no fear, no unbelief. 
What is it to be in the nature of God? There was no depression in Adam before the fall. There was no negativity. There was no anxiety. There was no worry. There's no stress, no fear, no hatred, just pure love. He's walking with God. He's in union with God. He's one with God. He is the nature of God is in him. He's made in the image and likeness and nature of God. He would have been glowing with glory. And then God puts him to sleep and makes a beautiful, magnificent woman. And when God makes a woman, he makes a woman. And then presents her to Adam and Adam goes, Wow, man. It's a joke, all right? Woman, wow, man. Finally got it. Anyway, (laughs) got to lighten you up a bit. Adam and Eve together, man and woman together, make up the image and likeness of God in God's presence. Yes, they disobeyed God and they lost the presence of God. They spiritually died. They lost the presence of God, but God had an answer. He knew Jesus Christ. He knew that he was going to send his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, pay the penalty, and again to resurrect our dead spirit and make us alive. So he raises us up. What God did in, I mean, what the devil did in Adam in the fall, what God did in Christ was more powerful than what the devil did in Adam because he raised us from the dead. And now we have the nature of God in our spirit. And if God created the whole world by his words, in Hebrews 11 tells us, by faith we know that God created and we know that he spoke everything to existence. So God went, light be. And light wasn't there until God said light be. And then when God spoke light be, he created. So we know that we're made in his image, we're made in his likeness. God speaks and creates. Then shouldn't we also speak and create? Shouldn't we also believe when we speak that God hears our prayer? God hears our prayer. Our words are way more powerful than we give it. Give our words credit. If you're going to release faith, it's going to be for your words. That's what I'm trying to get to. Okay. But you believing the word that God's placed in your heart. It's not your word. It's God's word. It's not your will. It's God's will. You've got to hear God. You've got to see what he's doing. Then you speak out his heart. And God will honor your prayer. Amen. So you find in, this really blessed my heart. Uh, Matthew 4 verse, four, chapter 4. No, Mark chapter 4. Excuse me. That's why it wasn't in Matthew. But Mark chapter 4 verse 37. It's a story of, the storm hitting the boat that disciples were in and Jesus was asleep in the stern. It says, um, on verse 30, well, let's read 35. On the same day where evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. So Jesus said, let us cross to the other side, which means they were going to go to the other side. That's God's will to go to the other side. True? God, Jesus spoke it. We're going to the other side. That's the will of God. But even though it's the will of God, the storm still came. So the storm, when storms come, sometimes it's the enemy just trying to stop you from getting to the other side, doing the will of God. Now, what they had left, uh, so now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. So that we know it wasn't just one boat where the disciples were, there were other little boats around there. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boats so that it was already filling. But it was in the, that he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Water's coming into the boat. Picture the massive storm. And the disciples are railing out the water out with buckets and trying to get the water out so they don't sink. They're fighting for their lives. They really believe they're going to die. Finally, someone spoke up. We better wake up Jesus. Jesus is in the, in, in, on a pillow in the stern. In the stern. And, and, and what, what really got me, what really gripped me, 
is I know a storm doesn't have an, uh, an entity in a sense, you could say, a personality. But somehow, like when I think storms destroy things, tornadoes destroy property and people's lives and tsunamis and that, I don't believe that's the act of God. It's nature, it's this earth. This earth is under a curse. The whole earth is under earthquakes. When that earthquake, earthquake happens and 100,000 people die, that wasn't the hand of God. It wasn't like, God, I want to come and you know, God wants to kill people. No. It's this earth that's under a great curse. And so Jesus says, we're going to the other side, but the storm arised. Sometimes in the Sea of Galilee, it comes really quickly. The sea roughs up, the wind blows up. What, what really gripped my heart is the storm didn't care if Jesus was in the boat and this Jesus, being the Son of God, has the authority to shut the storm up. If the storm had a personality, if it had an entity, let's say a, a, a demonic behind it, it doesn't care that the Son of God's in the, in, the, in the boat. Right now, Jesus, the Son of God, who has authority over the storm, is asleep. He has authority, but he's asleep. The storm rages. The storm's there right where Jesus is, attacking. The storm doesn't respect the fact that it's Jesus. The, the storm won't respect the fact that you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a daughter of the king. It doesn't care. It will rage. But as long as you, us, the church is spiritually asleep, because Jesus was asleep physically, he's not exercising authority over the storm. But he could, but he's not. Storm's still there. He's asleep. They had to wake him up. I'm just trying to make it really simple how I saw it. They had to wake him up. And only, and only when he's, he's awoke, the storm's still raging. The storm hasn't stopped just because he's Jesus. Hasn't stopped just because it's the Son of God present in the middle of the storm. He's facing the storm now. Still hasn't stopped. The only time it stopped is when he spoke, peace, be still. Now the Son of God spoke. Now faith was released. Now the, the, the authority command was given and the storm has to listen. Just a simplicity that unless you and I speak with faith and believe what we say come to pass, we'll have, we, we won't have whatever we say unless we actually believe that we're speaking the will of God. Does that make sense? We have to speak it out. We have to believe what we're speaking is God's will. There's another incident in the life of Jesus that teaches a lot about faith, and that's found in Matthew 21. Matthew 21. Again, I just want to show you quickly the story. Matthew is when Jesus speaks to the fig tree. Matthew 21, verse 19. I want to read it here because the Bible's true. You know that. This is God's word. And look what it says. Um, and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves, but said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately. The fig tree withered away. Did the fig tree wither away immediately? The Bible says it did. That means it did. Jesus spoke to the sea in the storm, and the storm spoke. Now he's speaking to a tree. And as he spoke, this is what I want us to get, because if you want to check it up, in Mark 11, 19, it's the same story, but written by Mark. Mark 11 gives us a bit more insight. Here it says, the tree immediately withered. But did you know physically with their eyes, they couldn't see that it was withering? Nothing was said. It wasn't withering to their eyes. They went to Jerusalem. This is what it says in verse 19 of Mark 11. It says here, 
without uh, even uh, when evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, this is the next day that he spoke. He passed by. They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And look what Peter says. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. That's the next day. He didn't say that when he first spoke. So what, what I'm trying to give you a picture. Let's say there's a fig tree here. There's no fruit. And Jesus speaks to the tree. And he says, from this day on, there'll be no one eating fruit from you hereafter forever. He spoke the word. This is what we mostly do. Most of us will do this. Because nothing outwardly is showing that it worked. Uh, uh, I speak to you. In, uh, to, 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 we'll speak again. Oh, because we don't. Uh, Jesus just knew that once he spoke the word, it started to wither from its roots. His words are so powerful that he knows it's working. I don't have to see it for it to work. The problem with us in the Western culture and the way we've been educated is we, we are very analytical and all our knowledge is from our physical senses. What we see, what we hear, and what we touch, taste, our five physical senses. And unless we can see it, we're taught not to believe it. Unless we can see the evidence, hear the evidence, feel the evidence, touch the evidence, we're taught that it's not real or not true or not believable. But faith is believing God's word above what the physical evidence is saying. I don't have to deny the physical evidence. That's not faith. I don't have to say, oh, no, it's not, it's, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not sick. I don't have to say that. If someone was sick, you say, I've got sickness in my body, but I believe God's word. I believe he has healed me 2,000 years ago. You're not saying, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. It's not a denial. That's just been wrong when people teach that in faith, in the faith teaching. But we can be honest in the natural but you know what? I, I believe God's word. He, his word is at work. You go to a doctor. You, doctor gives you, I don't know, medicine, gives you something to take. You take it believing it's going to help you. Usually, if you really believe the medicine's going to work, like, I'm getting better now. I'm, getting, I'm feeling better. But a lot of times we wait for the symptoms to get better before we say we're better. Mm. Even in the medical medicine world. What I'm trying to say is being trained and taught to believe our five physical senses as information coming in. But we've got a higher truth, which is God's word, God's promise, God's truth. If I curse a sickness, if I say this sickness dies in the name of Jesus, it's a level of faith to really believe that it's cursed and it's going to disappear. I have to believe that. And usually if it's real faith, unconsciously, it'll just come out of my heart. I don't have to think I've got to speak the right words. I've got to better, better not speak negative over that. You're following me. You can be a man of faith, you can be a woman of faith, you can be a Christian for many, many years and, and pray for people for healing. And I've seen it, many mature, mature people that believe God and have faith and seen miracles through them. And their loved ones are sick. And then all of a sudden, the, the words aren't, it's just, you know, someone from overseas, I'm thinking of someone that, that just recently was doing, was doing that. Like, is it faith when we, we say, well, unless God comes with a miracle, the person's going to die? Well, is he willing? Is it God's perfect will to heal? Why wouldn't he heal? I believe God's will is to heal. We've got to flow the way Jesus did. And show me in the scripture. If you can, see, if you can show me Jesus doing it, then I'll believe the word because it's in here. If you can show me Jesus turning someone away or saying there's not the right timing, there's a timing issue. If you can show me, I'll, I'll believe it. But there's just too many scriptures where he healed everybody. 
again, going back to we might not know. Sometimes there's reasons, there's things that are happening that I'm not aware of that I need to be open up to God. I mean, close enough to God to hear what God wants to do. You know, but God's willing to heal. I've heard of someone, I think it was Randy Clark, who had a really bad back. I mean, literally couldn't stand without excruciating pain for, for a long period of time. All the great men of faith prayed for him and didn't get any better. His son prayed for him over the phone, the most unlikely for him, and he got so much better. The pain was still there, but he could stand now. It was like half the pain that he had. He, was like, he could bear it, he could stand, but it was still there. Then someone... In Brazil, he's in America, someone in Brazil on a prayer time when they were praying up on a stage, a guy who's really fasting and praying and seeing God close to God, he gets into an open vision. He's like, like watching a TV set, but awake. And he sees Randy Clark's back and literally he was prompted just to press the disc back in, in, this, in the realm of the spirit. And he pressed it back in. The guy was instantly healed at the same time. Right? On this other side of the world in Brazil... What does that tell us? Like, it's God's will. We've just got to find how God wants to do it and, and, and have, I don't know what's the right words, the faith or the, the, the connection to God to make it happen. I mean, Jesus is walking down the street and everyone's touching him, but a woman with faith, with the issue of blood for 12 years, is risking her life to be in public because she should be stoned according to the Old Testament law. And she's falling on the ground trampled over by people because there's crowds everywhere. Everyone's touching Jesus. And she finally touches the hem. And the Bible says, this lady says, she heard about Jesus and she said to herself, if I only touch his hem, I will be healed. So what's that say? She has faith. She, she put her faith out. That's her focus of her faith is, if I touch the hem of Jesus, I will be healed. So the faith is on the woman. She's got great faith, risking everything. And when she touches, everyone's touching Jesus. Jesus stops because he actually felt power come out of him. But everyone else is touching him. And he goes, who touched me? And, everyone, and Peter goes, Jesus, what are you talking about who touched you? Everyone's touching you. The crowd is thronging you. How can you say who touched me? Like It sounds weird to say that when everyone's touching you. He goes, no, no, I felt power leave me. And it wasn't Jesus' conscious prayer. Jesus didn't stop. Father, will of God, pray. Yep, God's. He, he's just walking. The power is resonant in him. The glory, the anointing is actually in him like he's in you. Again, we don't go by feelings. The anointing isn't a feeling. It's the fact that God is resident in you. This woman touched him. And then she was hiding and trembling with fear, thinking, I can't be found that I was doing this. And then when she finally was found, she says, this is what happened. I got healed of this you know, issue of blood. And, she, and, she, and Jesus said, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has healed you. And, and, and just quickly, when Jesus used the fig tree example and Peter goes, what? look how quickly he got with it. It started withering from its roots. We couldn't see physically that it's changed, but from its roots. You've got to believe when you speak, something's happening in, its, in the roots. You don't have to see it to believe it. We have to believe God to believe it's happening. And Jesus used that example. He goes, yep, have the faith of God. If you speak to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And don't doubt in your heart that the things you say shall come to pass. You will have what you say. It was not to doubt in our heart. Now, you can doubt in your mind. But if you don't doubt in your heart, but believe the things you say. I'm supposed to believe the things I say will come to pass. You're supposed to believe the things you say. That's real faith. Real heart faith, that abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Real faith believes that the things you say will come to pass. That's what Jesus believed. He, he believed it. He taught it. He taught the disciples. Have the faith of God. 
If you speak to this mountain, he's basically saying, man, even a mountain will move if you had faith. And then he goes on, at the end of that statement, he says, therefore I say to you, whatsoever you pray for, whatsoever you pray for, when you pray, believe that you receive it when you pray, you will have it. Believe that you receive it when you have it, when you pray. So when you're supposed to believe, when you pray, then you'll have it. So faith is a thing, a real belief is a thing that you can't conjure it up. It's got to be there. And if I'm this level of faith, I've got to grow to, I've got to start with the level of faith that I'm in. I've got, to, I've got to flow with believing God for socks. If I don't ever believe God for anything, start with socks. You haven't prayed for a headache, pray for a headache. Believe God, for, see that happen first. Start somewhere to build your faith. Sometimes we go, I'm going to just jump up here. No, be real, just let's, let's grow our faith. Because real faith, the way I see it, it comes from the heart. Can't fake it. Can't pretend it. You don't need to. Let's not jump on each other. Also, other people's confession. Oh, don't say that, brother. Just let people, let people be themselves. Let them be where their level of faith that they're at. We're all at different levels. Some have walked with God for 10 years. Some for 30 years. Some for one year. Sometimes some have walked with God for one year stronger than someone that's 30 years in the faith. And sometimes the other way around. But let's not judge one another and jump on each other. Let's give each other grace, mercy, and let us grow in our own relationship in these areas. Amen? Let's pray. I hope it's encouraged you to read the word, take the, take the word of Jesus, the theology of Jesus, the perfect theology of Jesus, and let this be our track. This is how we do it. If Jesus did it, we can do it. If Jesus didn't do it, we don't need to do it. So Father, we ask you to help us. We're all training. We're all learning. We, do, we believe with all our heart you're so desiring to heal unsaved people out there in the streets, in our workplaces, Lord, where we live, where we do life. You want to heal them. It's your will. We don't have to convince you to heal them. You've already done it 2,000 years ago. Father, help us to believe what Jesus did and how he did it, to flow the way he did. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher. Father, show us what you're doing. You're always at work. Let healing flow in the streets, we pray. Let healing flow in our workplaces, we pray. In our families, let it be normal. Christian life, supernatural, normal Christian life. We bless you, Father. We believe with all our hearts we're anointed because you've anointed us. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.